0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: On Spotify, you can listen to all of your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcast so you never miss an episode. Premium users can download episodes to listen to offline, wherever you are, and easily share what you're listening to with friends on Instagram. So, if you haven't done so already, be sure to download the Spotify app, search for Legends of Sport on Spotify, or browse podcasts in the Your Library tab. Also, make sure to follow me so you never miss an episode of Legends of Sport. Welcome back, everybody, to Legends of Sport, the podcast that you love to listen to, <laughs> and I love to do. Today's guest is uh, is an NBA um, legend on and off the court, and his story is definitely uh, legendary. His name is Donald Foyle. You guys might remember that he played for the Warriors. He played for Orlando and Memphis. Probably most remembered for playing for the Warriors during the We Believe um, season when they... Uh, They were the number eight seed, and they beat the number one seed, Dallas. Um, But O'Donnell has an amazing story of um, growing up in a tiny, tiny little island. (laughs) I mean, I can't even imagine the upbringing that he must have had in this beautiful island, the Caribbean, and St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Didn't know anything about basketball, hadn't seen a basketball, hadn't seen a game, was exposed to the game down there, and then... um, Through a series of events, came to the United States, was sponsored by a family, uh, went to Colgate University, led that team to two consecutive NCAA tournament uh, um, appearances, and then uh, had a NBA career that went on for a while. Part of, uh, like I said, a, a great team in Golden State. But O'Donnell is known mostly in our circles for what he's done off the court. As a student, he started a, a an organization while in school that led to him being very, very active in the community. He's the Warriors uh, community ambassador. He's done incredible work for the NBA academies. He has um, been inducted into the World Sports Humanitarian Hall of Fame, which is uh, incredibly uh, rare for an NBA player. But um, if you think about where he came from and what he's accomplished... And he's um, a fun guy to be around. Uh, My producer, Dominique, is very good friends with O'Donnell. She actually hangs out and stays with him uh, at his home when she's in the Bay Area. And they've worked many events together when she was with the NBA and NBA Cares. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with O'Donnell Foyle. And as always, we'll see you on the back side. Hey, O'Donnell, it's Andy Bernstein. How you doing? Hey, Andy. I'm doing good, man. How are things? Things are good. Things are really good. I've been shuttling up and down the coast here from L.A. to Oakland shooting Warrior games. And uh, I thought I'd, I was going to bump into you, but I haven't seen you in the last couple of games.
1: Yeah, I've been doing um, a TV in studio ah, on ABC. Gotcha. Yeah. So, like... Mm-hmm. You, you just have all this free time now. You decided to do a podcast and <laughs> all this stuff. I yeah, when you get the time. Man?
2: <laughs> I don't know, man. That's a really good question. My wife asked me the same thing. She said, "You remember us, like your family that you never see anymore?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. uh, well, it's that time of year, and yeah. Uh, I'm glad that at least I'm going up and down the coast of California, and not schlepping over to like San Antonio or oh, oh you know some place that it's hard to get York. back from. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got I got Dominique here next to me, and um, she she's equally as, as excited to uh, have you as a guest today.
0: Uncle O'Donnell, how we doing, buddy? I- Hello, love my baby girl. <laughs> it was funny I was talking about you the other day cuz I said and it may have actually been to you Andy but I was like, "Oh, I need to, you know, find some time to get to the Bay Area assuming that uh the old warriors are going to continue to play and they were like, "Oh, where are you going to stay?" I said, "Oh, I got my guest room at Uncle Donald's. I'm going to be there." <laughs> I love it. <laughs> anytime, is...
1: always.
0: Oh, I'll be there oh, soon.
1: <laughs>
2: your <voice>. You too. <laughs> well, Donald, so great to have you as a guest. Thank you so much for taking time today. Um, you know, Legends of Sport likes to celebrate uh, athletes who have accomplished so much on and off the court, and of course you have done both, and it's a real thrill, actually, for me to get to know you through the research that Dominique provided for me and just knowing you over the years, but not really knowing you until I get to actually talk to you in this forum, so thank you so much for that.
1: Wow, the pleasure's mine. Thank you for having me, man.
2: So, you got to tell me, my friend, uh you grew up in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, right? How many basketball courts actually existed in on those islands? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well, the funny thing is when I I grew up in uh St. Vincent and the Grenadines, you have to think of it a little bit like Hawaii. So it's like probably about 17 really small islands. So mm. the Grenadines Island, um, I was born on one of the Grenadines Island of Canawan. Mm-hmm. And Canawan, we had no basketball coach. So mm-hmm. I played cricket, I played soccer, I played rung dogs, I played everything else except uh, for basketball. So when I went over for um, for high school, I went to Union Island, which is a, a, a bigger island. Uh, I said bigger. It's like a mile bigger, but that's huge. <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: but, right. But,
1: it, but it, I went to a, a, a different island, and it, it just so happened that there was a, a, a one of the gentlemen that brought basketball Um, down to that island, uh, around the same time. So basketball was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And here comes a six, eight, skinny kid into this culture. And everybody just automatically assumed that I had to play basketball. Unfortunately, I had no idea what they were talking about. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it was, uh, it was really an, an interesting kind of discovery. Uh, to kind of learn about this game and, and what huh. this game was about.
2: Well, were you watching it on TV, or would, you just didn't know anything about NBA basketball or basketball itself?
1: Nothing about basketball because hmm. in the Caribbean, back in the time, we my parents uh, couldn't afford a television, hmm. so we had hmm. uh, we had no television in the house. Hmm. And we put, we had radio, but the radio only is meant
2: for the news hmm. and cricket. That's
1: it.
0: <laughs> wow.
2: Basketball is nothing match. like cricket, that's for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, a cricket match, as you know, could take like two weeks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I still don't understand cricket, to be honest with you. But people say, oh, it's like baseball. I'm like, there's nothing like baseball. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is like cricket. <laughs> so, well, all right. So, wait. I got. I got a lot of questions, but I got. I guess I have to understand something. So, you're commuting to high school from another island. Is that what you're saying? Were you living on one no. island and commuting to the other one?
1: Yes, because the, the islands are so small that you, um, like, having a high school in every island doesn't make sense.
2: Right. So
1: most of the high school are on the mainland, mm-hmm. uh, but right. there's one. And uh, and uh, and another island. And so if you are um, someone that has to move on to high school and you're on one of the Grenadines Islands, you either have to go to the mainland or the there's another island called Union Island, mm-hmm. which is where I went. And the, one of the reasons uh, I went to that island is because my mom uh, was there. Otherwise, I would have gone to the main island. Ah, and, uh, okay. To go to school there,
2: yeah. Right. But were you commuting, like, by boat or something? I mean, how would you do that? No,
1: usually you have have to get, like, a a sponsor. It's very costly, so you have to find – if you're in, like, Beckway – you can go over to St. Vincent and you can commute on a ferry, mm-hmm. but if you're lower down in the Caribbean, it takes like uh, like three to five hours to, to get there. So hey. It's not like uh, it doesn't make sense. So what you usually do, you find a family yeah. and you pay that family for you to stay there until you finish um, high school.
2: Wow, that that is, that is so amazing. It's such a foreign concept to me, and I think to Dominique. I mean, I grew up in Brooklyn as a high school, and like, like every other block, you know. <laughs> and the only time you took a ferry is when you went to staten island so <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Exactly right. laughs> yeah.
2: so so take us into this moment when you're you're exposed to basketball this coach saw something in you uh, like what clicked what made you kind of gravitate towards this very very foreign sport
1: well i, ha- I to be sure i hated the sport at first um <laughs> because i i was uh, i wasn't really taught by a coach one of my friends uh that i became my friend later on at the, at the high school. He, you know, as I said, I show up the first day, I'm six, eight skinny, could barely fit into my pants. And this young kid, you know, he ran up to me and he's like, you have to play basketball. You gotta be on my team. And I'm like, what is basketball, and why are you bothering me? You know, this is my first day of school. I have enough problems. To just leave my island. I'm on a different island. Why are you bothering me with this stupid thing called basketball? So He was like, I mean, unrelenting for like weeks and weeks. You have to come play basketball. You have to come. So I said, All right, fine. I'll go play this stupid sport, whatever it is. Yeah. So I went down to the court, and he was he explained the rule to me. Go get the ball, give it to me, and get out of the way,
2: right? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, this is easy. Okay, so, I could do that. Yeah,
1: I'm like, so this is very so easy. <laughs> so I was like, so we're, I'm rebounding the ball and throwing it to him. Don't know what I'm doing. So then I was like, I mean, he's dribbling between his legs, making layup, and everybody's clapping and having a good time. I'm like, this is really like... <laughs> This is stupid. This is not fun. Yeah. So I grab, you know, I got a rebound, grabbed the ball, and took off down the court, <laughs> laid the ball in, and expecting some love. And I look back, and everybody's in the ground laughing hysterically. <laughs> Let me guess. I
2: mean, you didn't you dribble. You
1: would have told me that I should dribble the ball, right? <laughs> you think that would have been a thing? that he had... <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's hilarious. Did that? Re- did that really happen? That seriously happened. That's funny. It
1: really did. And the worst part was is that I was so embarrassed. I was like, okay, this stupid sport, I'm done with it. I'm never going to play again. And I remember, like, I was walking home from school one day, and there were this tall gentleman up on a telephone pole. He was an electrician. And he said to me, he's like, you know, I think you could be a pretty good basketball player, um, but you're really stinky, so you should come train with me. And I was like... Uh, uh, he's like, don't worry, we train in the night. Nobody will see you. <laughs> so, so I thought that was a good proposition. So I started, uh, so I joined one of the local teams called the Volley Nets Basketball, uh, 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 club. And, um, I, I, I just started giving me some training and we didn't have official coaches. The players, uh, substitute as coaches as everything. So, each of them, you know, taught me something and uh within the course of the year that team happened to have been the team that won the local tournament. So they were representing the country of St. Vincent at the OECS tournament in Dominica. Mm-hmm. So I was um I was since I was a part of the team that brought me along, I was the youngest person on the team. I was fifteen years old mm. and so they brought me along for the ride and at that tournament uh, once i started playing uh one of the uh two college professors from colgate who was part of the the officiating team then teaching local referees how to manage a table as well as how to referees the, how to referee the game <laughs> they they started talking to me and um and then within literally 3 weeks of that tournament i was on a plane coming to the united states on an athletic scholarship wow to philadelphia
2: wow wow so that must have been a culture shock just moving to philadelphia from where you grew up it sounds like paradise right and then playing hoops there and uh in a big high school and all that that can you walk us through that whole experience
1: well so just put it this way i've never been on a plane <laughs> so right so my my first time on the island i'm, I'm on a plane that i've never been on before huh. and i was supposed to land i was supposed to touch down in philadelphia and fortunately they were, the plane was uh, diverted and I landed. I landed at GFK. Hey. My first time in the state. Oh God. I landed at GFK by myself. Have no idea what I'm doing. It just so happened, and I, you can't make this stuff up. Mm. It just so happened that the prime minister of my country was traveling on the same plane and realized that I might have been lost. So he and his entourage find me at the airport and took me to my gate for the next
2: plane to
1: Philadelphia. Uh. I was lost in the middle of a JFK, freaking (laughs) out. And my prime minister helped me uh, to get to my to my plane, and, uh, <laughs> and where I met and uh, Jones in Philadelphia, who became my legal guardian. I'd never been in an es- escalator. Huh. Uh, we had one car and on the entire island, uh. and of course a traffic jam in Philadelphia. You could imagine that miles yeah. and miles. i have never seen snow. Oh, <laughs> God. It was literally a culture shock. There was, and the island of Canawan uh, at the time we. Probably had about maybe 800 people, if I'm inflating the numbers. Yeah. My high school was 3,000.
2: Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, like mine. In, in Brooklyn, I had I had almost 5,000 kids in my high school. That's yeah, unbelievable. I mean, this sounds like literally like you came from an, another planet, you know, <laughs> like dro- dropped onto Earth and said, go, go figure it out. Oh, my goodness. Well, you must have um, – Man, you, might have, you must have had a lot of courage, and uh, sound like you had some luck too. You know, with the prime minister being on on your plane, and and sounds like this family really uh, took you in and and gave you a wonderful place to live and and to nurture your basketball skills, right? So that,
1: so... yeah, no, it was a re- it was a remarkable um, you know journey for me because um, I remember convincing my mom that she should let me do this this mm. crazy thing, which is to Leave the, the only home I knew at the time and to come to uh, a different country, uh, with two strangers I, I had barely met for mm. not even a week mm. and, and to give them, um, uh, guardianship over me because I was, uh, uh, underage. And, you know, it's, I, I was so lucky, you know, that and Joan became, um, you know, my, my, my parents. They mm. became my step parents mm-hmm. and, um, and they took care of me. They helped me uh, navigate the, 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 this crazy world of basketball and school and and, and all of it. So I, I've been remarkably blessed um, mm, yeah. to have um, you know people who have cared for me and and really helped me along the way and and, and really went out of the way to teach me. You know, how to not just be a good basketball player, but to be a a good man.
2: Mm. Well, Joan, correct me if I'm wrong, but Joan and Jay Mandel, right? Uh, That was their name. They were professors from Colgate that happened Mm -hmm. to be on your island, right? And saw saw you play basketball. And that's how this all kind of happened and and sort of mushroomed from there that that then they sponsored you and took you in, in. Well, it was in New York, right? Or was it in Philadelphia? Originally,
1: they started in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. but they had just moved to New York yeah. at, at Colgate, so they didn't want they wanted me to stay in Philly where they Thought the basketball obviously was much higher level than it was at yeah. uh, upstate New York at the
2: time. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. And then and then obviously, I would think that that was part of the, the, your decision to go to Colgate was the fact that they were there and uh, you had been exposed to that university, that college. It's a great college in a beautiful town. Um were there other reasons why you decided to go to Colgate?
1: Yeah, I mean I think my my um my decision first was never to go to Colgate. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, a lot of people don't believe that, but I it was never my intention, uh, to go to Colgate. Uh uh-huh. I wanted to go to a school that will my criteria was I was gonna be the first person in my family to go to college. So that mm-hmm. was a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ensure that I was going to be treated both as a student and I was going to be treated as an athlete. I wanted that duality. So Mm -hmm. my requirement was really getting a place that will treat me very much as a student as they will treat me as a basketball player. I wanted to have both experience. But going through the recruiting process, I was horrified and shocked and disgusted mm. by a lot of what i was able to experience during that process mm. and i i ultimately decided at the end of the day what was most important for most of the the schools uh in, in this country was the athletic part and not the academic part mm. so mm-hmm. uh so for me i wanted to be in a place that will treat me as a student athlete and mm-hmm. I, at the end of the day I went back after going through some of the process and asked the coach at Colgate to consider me, and his first response was, no, you can't come to Colgate. (laughs) We're not good enough for you to come to Colgate. Really? we end up telling the coach, you're not going to have the last say in this. We are going to uh, put Colgate into the mix oh. and seriously uh, and seriously consider Colgate. Wow. And, uh, um. you know, so that's kind of how I got to Colgate was <laughs> to the process of going through all of the recruiting experiences and, and in many ways being really, really a ton away from it. Mm. And I, I wanted to make sure that at the end of the day, whether or not I became an NBA player or a great basketball player, the the most important thing for me was that going back home to my island with a college degree,
0: and mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. I was
1: going to be one of the first person in my family and one of very few people on the island who mm. who, um, who had a college uh, degree, and that was very important to me.
2: Right, which which you went back, although you left early for the NBA, right? You, you did go back in '99 and graduated. Um, with a history degree, right? Magna cum laude. And, you know, mm-hmm. you were very committed to that. That's wonderful. Wow. And and while you were there, I'm just reading off off this great research that Dominique did. Um, you were their all-time leading rebounder and second all-time leading scorer at Colgate, correct?
1: Yeah. And I think that was the cool part about the experience at Colgate is that I felt like I got you know, I I will go into court and I'll score 20, 30 points, get some rebounds and some block shots, mm-hmm. and then. You know, I get into class in the morning and the professor's like, where's my paper at? Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like, right. there wasn't any give. I, I really, truly mm-hmm. got the best of both worlds. Right. We were able to increase the the mark, the, 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 the intensity of our schedule, mm-hmm. and we I was able to get really high-quality basketball. But at the same time, I got a really amazing education. I still talk to mm-hmm. several of my professors, and uh, I'm still in touch with them. So it was, it was a remarkable experience. And we got to witness, obviously,
2: mm. going to the NCAA tournament for uh, for the twice, yeah, time yeah. There. yeah, sure, unbelievable, and you, you know, single handedly brought them to the tournament. That's amazing, and then, of course, then you become, you know, an NBA uh, athlete, and you you had a, a really, I, I enjoyed watching you play and photographing you over the years with Golden State and Orlando and Memphis, and. Um, does anything come to mind? Any any funny stories? Anything um, that you want to share with us about your NBA career? I mean, you played for for some um, pretty amazing coaches over the years. Uh, you know, anything stand out that you want to talk about during your NBA life?
1: I think for me, the the, the most amazing thing was just making it. Uh, mm, I think mm. getting to that point was uh, was beyond my wildest dreams and expectations mm. uh, because if you look at my journey, um, getting to that level is, is such a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And, and I think what was amazing about it is that we were horrible with Golden State Warriors for, for many years. And But I've had the opportunity to really learn the game, um, really play with a lot of great players who taught me a great deal about how to approach the game, how to think about the game, and um, and and so by the time towards the end of my career, when we, the We Believe team, which I think was one of the the most amazing experience uh, is of my life, like in sports, being part of a team mm-hmm. where the coach was telling us uh, at the end of the season, "Oh, there's no way you guys are going to make the playoffs. You guys are terrible." You know, Don Nelson was telling us all this about we keep trying, <laughs> you know, to 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 win a game, and he's like, "There's no way you guys can do this. You guys are just terrible." <laughs> and then you know we. Made Made it into the playoffs yeah. and got to beat the number one uh, team in the NBA. It
0: uh, was that,
1: unbelievable. It was such an amazing
2: experience. Well, that's the We Believe team, right? Um, that's the
1: We Believe team. Yeah,
2: you know? that was. I was there when you guys did that. That uh, honestly, I still don't believe you did it, but <laughs> even though I saw <laughs> it. <laughs> You know what's great today is when you go you go up to Warrior Games and people are still wearing the We Believe shirts and they they bring the little cards out you know and this people are so attached to that that team in that era and what that brought to the whole area you know it's just um, monumental it was wonderful to be part of that would must have been amazing for you that's great uh, Donald all the research I read about you keeps pointing to everything that you do off the court and have done off the court. Um, to help promote the game, to help kids and player development, um, community relations, uh, but it, it kind of goes back, and I just want to go back in time a little bit to when you were at Colgate and you and you founded Democracy Matters and how that 's flourished over the years. I mean, can you just talk about why you started that organization and then how that influenced you to do the work that you do now?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was really interesting. I I remember, um, I think it was my, probably my sophomore year, um, I was in a class with this amazing professor, Professor Coleman Brown, and we were reading, I think it was Cicely LeBlanc and um, Lying. I I can't remember exactly, but we were reading this book and Lying, and we had this unbelievable conversation about, whether or not um, my generation at the time was apathetic. And we had this, I mean, amazing conversation throughout the class. At the end of that class, I was supposed to go to a pregame because we had the NCAA tournament that day. We had the tournament that day. Mm -hmm. And I literally, the class ended and we continued this conversation hours
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we were having this amazing conversation mm-hmm. and I missed the entire shoot round. Oh. <laughs> and I remember going down to the co- to the court to see yeah. my coach and he is in the office. I mean just he was bright red oh, my he God. was Angry. I mean, I had missed all the all the preparation for this game. Yeah. I just remember, I I go to the to the door and I peep in and I smile and I say "Hi, coach, how are you doing?" I said, "You know what? This was the most amazing conversation I was having in class. That I so sorry I forgot to you know the shooter on." And he just looks at me and he was about to. Just and the yeah. only thing that came out of his mouth was, "You better win today." And I was like,
2: <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> and did you? Did you guys win? We did. Yeah, yeah, uh, we did. <laughs> there uh, was
1: no choice. That's amazing. But <laughs> I, I had to win that game. <laughs> that, through that conversation, that was the impetus for the the foundation um, for the
2: mm-hmm.
1: matters. My professor challenged us, mm. you know, that w- if, if there wasn't apathy, what was it? And mm. I was trying to figure out. You know why young people weren't involved in politics, and I, what I couldn't put together was one. And on the, on the one hand, they were all doing Habitat for Humanity, they were doing soup kitchens, but they weren't getting politically involved. Mm-hmm. So I I postulate that the the reason is is that there's some other mechanism that are preventing people from being politically involved. And after I became um, an NBA player. I asked my parents, which you should probably never ask a professor uh, of any kind, what what do you think of a situation? So I asked my parents, you know, I went back to that theory and I said, why do you think young people are not getting involved in politics? And I swear to you, my parents showed up with five box of books and campaign finance reform.
2: <laughs> really? <laughs> and that, wow. And,
1: and that was, so imagine <laughs> me, and they had questions too for each of the books. So imagine me, my rookie, going on a plane huh. uh, with these guys. They all have video games and I have a box of books <laughs> and questions wow. about campaign finance reform. And that really where the mm. foundation was born. Wow. And we started really uh, really talking about young people and the, the price of engagement in politics
0: mm-hmm. as
1: one of the impediments that prevent people from getting politically involved. And that became the basis uh, for Democracy Matters. Wow. We we're trying to get young wow. people involved and money out of politics.
2: And and now it's it's nationwide, right? You're in over 50 uh, college campuses. And, um, and are you personally involved in uh, the effort for campaign finance reform? <laughs> I mean, it's a huge issue yeah. right now in our country, of course.
1: I've been involved in this endeavor for over twenty years. Mm-hmm. The, the founding of the foundation, and we, you know, we do a summit every year. We get young people all over the country involved. We, we now have a generation of, uh, of people who have been through the program, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think it's a surprise that campaign finance reform has been bubbling up as one of mm. the most significant issues uh, that has been affecting our political system. I would like to think we have a little bit to do with that. We have partnered with with organizations from common cause to public uh, campaign uh, all across the country with organization mm-hmm. advocating for really um, a, a safe political space where so money is not the determinant of who gets elected into office and, and what laws get passed. But good mm. ideas, and really trying to advocate for campaign financial reform mm. across the country. And we've been doing that um, ever since.
2: Well... Good for you, and keep leading that charge, because uh, we need the young people to come out in the next election, for sure, in a, in a bigger amount than we've ever seen. Um, Amen. We, we need to make some changes <laughs> in this country. but We try not to be too political on Legends of Sport, but sometimes we have to interject the, a dose of reality of what's going on. <laughs> hey, I think Dominique has a question for you.
0: Adonno, we would not be able to have you on the podcast without talking about you know, your interests and Probably one of my favorite subjects to talk with you about is player development. So I would love for you to share, you know, why you're so passionate about that and, you know, also what you're doing in that space with the NBA and the NBA academies, because you've really been helping, you know, not only current players, but also players who are young, you know, in other countries kind of get adapted to the game of basketball and how that can, you know, help transcend their lives. So we'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, it's been a remarkable journey, and I I think part of it, you know, came out of my experiences. obviously as an NBA player. It it, it is such a daunting thing to become an NBA player where you're supposed to be somewhat of an expert, not only in basketball. Like, I, I tell a lot of guys that, you know, you might have a Ph.D. in basketball, but it doesn't mean you have a Ph.D. in everything else that you need to know in order to be successful and and so part of the the been my journey is to not only educate players about how to become better not only at the job on the court but at the job after court that each of these space requires effort and time in order to master it. it it it's not it doesn't come just by by fluke you have to work at it so part of my passion has been i have had a lot of mentors and people who have helped me along the way. And I know how significant that has been to my life. And I've had a good uh, group of people around me. So part of my gift is to always give back and to help empower the next generation. I do it through charity, but also uh, in player development. And Part of, part of what I wanted to do is that part of what I felt that we are locking in player development is a cohesive strategy of what is it what are the essential tools a person should learn in order to be successful on and off the court. And but there's not a, uh, there's not a, a, a curriculum of ideas. So part of my my mission has been to create content and to create ideas so that people could read like anything else. If you have mm-hmm. If you care about a particular issue, there's a lot of information available that you can read and, and, and really empower yourself. But there haven't been a lot of knowledge in that space. So part of what I wanted is for players to start really taking ownership and to talk about the mistakes they've made along the way, but also the successes that they had and really build up a, a, a library of ideas. Mm. So that has been that has been i think primarily what my focus has been and i've been able to work for uh, as play development uh, with Orlando and then from that i went into uh, uh the nba academies globally and helping them to build um you know the life skill off the court so imagine coming in not only um If you're in the United States, you have challenges, but imagine coming in from a different country where Mm -hmm. you have language barriers and Mm -hmm. you have all of these different things that you have to master. So we've been trying to really uh, build a cohesive curriculum for kids uh, in the academy so that they become language proficient, but also they understand some of the dynamics of going to school in the United States and what that will mean, or... Becoming uh, a professional at the end of our time in the academy. What, what would that? What would the? Um, when the kid come in, what how would they lead that uh, the organization, and how informed would they be athletically as well as academically, uh, mentally, and all the different tenants we try to focus on in the academy system?
2: Wow, it sounds like your hands are full. Uh, you're you're still serving as uh, one of the team's community ambassadors for the Warriors. Is that still part of? It's it been a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: that's been a lot of fun, man. Wow. So it's been great because mm-hmm. I get to go across the Bay Area and really help amplify the the great work that has been done by so many amazing organizations across the Bay. Mm-hmm. And the Warriors have, as, as a team, has been so uh, I think inspiring and in wanting to transform the community in very much the same way that the players transform themselves into champions champions under uh, coach so it's been mm-hmm. a it's been a remarkable ride to be part of
2: that Oh, that's so great i you know we we've had um, fellow podcast guests uh, like yourself jennifer azy who works a lot with the warriors um jason collins was just a guest and uh you know how much the warriors give back to the community um is astounding really i mean it's just amazing and with the move now across the Bay, um, you know, a whole, maybe a whole different fan base that they have to attract. Um, but the work in the community, you know, moves on, and you're, you're a huge part of that. And as somebody who works with the league uh, as closely as I do, you know, can't thank you enough for doing that, Donald, and being the ambassador that you are.
1: Thank you so much. It's been really cool working with Jennifer. We work as well in the academy system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer walks a lot on and, and the, the side with the, with the girls uh, as well as the boys. So it's been a really great partnership mm-hmm. to have her uh, as part of the resources because, you know, it's amazing knowledge she brings to that space as well, uh, being a WNBA player and, and, and so great in her field in so many ways.
2: Well, I'd be remiss not ending this uh, interview with with really congratulating you for being inducted into the World Sports Humanitarian Hall of Fame. I mean, what an unbelievable honor. That must have been for you, and, uh, you know, only, what, eight other NBA players have been inducted yeah. into that. So congratulations on that. Very well earned, my friend. And um, I know you like to work under the radar, but to be recognized like that is, uh, is really an amazing accomplishment.
1: Thank you so much. It was really amazing, and I got to be inducted uh, uh, with Tommy Smith, who I got the mm. pleasure of knowing over the last few years. Sure. I think it was it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable.
2: Well, keep fighting the good fight and doing the good work, my friend. Yeah. And uh, can't wait to see you at somewhere on the baseline. I usually always bump <laughs> into you over there at Oracle <laughs> Arena. <Indeed. laughs> Well, hopefully we'll be seeing you until June. <laughs> uh, well, that, yeah, I wouldn't mind being a little closer to home. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah,
1: indeed. Thank you, guys. All right,
2: thank you,
0: Adano. Ad- Ad- I'm coming over soon, so better have some good Caribbean food over at the house. <laughs> have
2: that guest I room ready. You. Yeah, I have the guest you. room I got ready. You back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Adano. Thank Ad- you so much. <laughs> Take All care. Right, bye bye. <laughs> Well, that was a super fun, exciting, jovial conversation with Adonald Foyle. Uh, one of the guys that I just love to see, whenever I see him in the arena, usually at Oracle when I'm up there covering the Warriors game, he's always engaged. He's always talking to people. He's got a big smile on his face. He is just the most approachable guy, I think, one of the most approachable guys I've ever worked with in the league. So thank you, Adonald, for making the time. You are a busy dude uh, <laughs> between all the... Uh, community work you're doing and the broadcast work that you're doing um, to find time for us and our little podcast is uh, really, really cool. So thank you. And thank you to everybody for listening. As always, please follow me at Legends of Sport on Instagram and at LOS Podcast One on Twitter. And also my photography at ADB Photo Inc. I'm continuing to post my photos uh, from each game that I'm covering during the playoffs and uh, some of my more iconic photos from back in the day and we do have a contest today um being that i did photograph aDon when he played i have a nice 11 by 14 signed photo signed by moi <laughs> to uh the lucky uh listener who can post and tag three people and we will be happy to send that out to you so uh keep listening everybody the podcast is growing and growing and growing and We really, really enjoy doing it, and I can't wait to come back next week with another great guest. Have a good one.